Najib Razak finally took the witness stand to speak for himself as the defense's first witness in the SRC international trial. For months, the former prime minister sat in the accused dock, watching silently as he trusted his lawyers to defend him from accusations that he had misappropriated 42 million ringgit in public funds. The court heard testimonies from 57 prosecution witnesses, but today it heard from the man himself. By the Malaysian Insight, this is The People versus Najib Razak. Follow us into the courtroom where it all happens. I'm Patrick Teo. As Najib stepped out of his car onto the Kuala Lumpur High Court porch this morning, he was greeted by a large crowd of supporters. They surrounded the former PM as he joined them for a short prayer. Dressed in a bright blue suit and a red tie with diamond patterns on it, Najib quickly made his way to the fifth floor of the court and into Judge Muhammad Naslan Muhammad Ghazali's courtroom. He sat in his usual seat in the dock as his lead counsel, Shafi Abdullah, presented opening statements on behalf of the defence. Then at 10.30am, the former Prime Minister was called to the witness stand. He is the first Malaysian ex-Prime Minister in history to defend himself in a court of law. Taking his oath in both Malay and English, Najib swore to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And then, comfortably seated with his arms propped up on the desk in front of him and a solemn expression on his face, Najib began to read his prepared statement in Malay. He read very slowly, in his polished manner and in a low tone. His lawyer had earlier said that given his position, the former PM should not be heard speaking in any other language. His statement is 243 pages long and includes more than 300 questions. Najib began with some background on his life and political career. Yvonne will tell you what he said. Najib began by saying that he was born in Kuala Lipis, Pahang and has a degree in industrial economics from Nottingham University. He talked about the various cabinet posts he's held, from starting as Youth and Sports Minister in 1986 to being appointed as Prime Minister in 2009. He discussed his simultaneous roles as both Head of Government and Finance Minister where he was tasked with ensuring the country's development and fiscal and monetary policies. Then, prompted by Shafi, Najib went into how TIA, that's the Trunganu Investment Authority, which later evolved into 1MDB, was set up by the Sultan of Trunganu and later taken over by the Malaysian government. SRC International was a subsidiary of 1MDB. In this trial, Najib is accused of misappropriating 42 million ringgit from the company. Najib said that in August 2009, the government had reluctantly taken over ownership of 1MDB to save the Agong and the state of Tunganu from embarrassment. It was also to resolve a 5 billion ringgit problem TIA had with its Islamic medium-term notes, he said. And what was Joe Lowe's role in all this? Shafi asked. He was a close friend of Sultan Mizan Zainal Abidin of Trunganu, who was also the Agung at the time. He was also close to the Sultan's sister, Najib answered. 
from my understanding, he said, Joe Lowe was appointed as an advisor to the TIA chairman, who was Sultan Mizan himself. Referring to 1MDB's memorandum and articles, Najib said he did not find it odd that they were amended to give the Prime Minister extraordinary powers in the company. After all, he said, the Prime Minister was also given powers to appoint the board of directors at other government-linked companies such as Petronas, Kazana and Telecom. And besides, he was never shown the MNA, and he never forced these provisions to be inserted. He said he never got involved in 1MDB's management either, and only dealt with its CEO and chairman. The court then took a short break, and Najib went down to the cafeteria where a large group of supporters were waiting for him with a breakfast of Nasilama and Kwe. And they all wanted to take selfies with the former Prime Minister. Back from the break, Najib continued reading out his statement. He said that as Prime Minister, he could have used his powers to instruct the Cabinet to approve the 3 billion ringgit grant 1MDB had requested, but he did not. It wasn't his style, he said. He preferred to seek the opinion of relevant ministries and agencies before making any decisions. The Economic Planning Unit had rejected 1MDB's request for a 3 billion ringgit grant because it did not meet the necessary justifications and was not in the national budget. A launching grant of 20 million ringgit was approved instead. Najib told the court that it did not surprise him when the initial request was rejected. And then it was time for lunch. When court resumed, Najib continued detailing how it came to be that the Civil Servants Retirement Fund, KWAP, gave the first 2 billion ringgit loan to SRC. If you remember, one Abdul Aziz Wan Abdullah, a former chairman of KWAP, and Azian Mohammed Noor, the fund's former CEO, had both testified to receiving a letter dated June 3, 2011, from SRC, requesting a loan of 3.95 billion ringgit. The letter was addressed to Najib, signed by SRC's CEO Nick Faisal Arif Kamel, and included a note from Najib which said, I agree with the proposal. ASEAN had also told the court that she had met with Najib's former aide, the late Aslin Alias, at a hotel during the night where Aslin had personally handed her the letter. Today, the former PM said that he was not aware of SRC's intention to request for the 3.95 billion ringgit loan. He said that perhaps he was briefed about the initiatives SRC wanted to carry out and felt that they were good, which would explain why he supported the company but he doesn't remember. He said that there were times when he had indicated his agreement to a particular proposal, but later, after being advised by certain parties, changed his mind. Therefore, he said, his agreement as written in the note attached to the letter should not have been taken as final. Najib said that it was unusual that this particular letter was delivered to his office, as letters were usually received by his aide, who at the time was Aslin. Nevertheless, he said that after receiving the letter, he instructed Aslin to meet with one Abdul Aziz, who in turn told Aslin to direct the letter to ASEAN. 
Najib said he never discussed the contents of the letter with Azlin, nor did he ever ask Azlin to meet Azian at the hotel at night. This could have been a private arrangement, he suggested. Azlin would never be able to corroborate this part of the story. He died in a helicopter crash in April 2014. Najib added that the note he added to the letter saying that he agreed with SRC's proposal could not have swayed KWAP's decision to provide the loan because he did not have any power to compel KWAP to do anything. And accusations that he had influence over KWAP's decisions, he said, were nothing but, quote, the most obvious intellectual dishonesty, unquote. Here's Yvonne again. Najib said that the three sets of documents, which looked like minutes from SRC's Extraordinary General Meeting, or EGM, and bore his signature, were forged. He had never seen them before and definitely did not sign them, he said. He said that he was shocked, and we hear that a lot, to hear former SRC Chairman Ismi Ismail's testimony that documents had been brought to him for approval before they were presented to SRC's Board of Directors. Ismi should know better, given his experiences in other government-linked companies, he said. Najib added that such claims did not make any sense. He asserted that he certainly did not sign any documents instructing the board on issues that they should resolve first on their own in the company's interest. After literally asking 101 questions, the defence asked for court to adjourn for the day. Judge Naslan allowed it, and the trial will resume tomorrow with former Prime Minister Najib Razak back on the witness stand. This podcast is produced, written and mixed by Rewati Supramaniam, Yapik Kwan and Yvonne Lim. Additional reporting by Ravin Palanisami. I'm Patrick Teo.